building the new economy in Northern Ireland. Presented by Morris McCartney. I think the kind of change that we're talking about is slow, painful work. And, um, and, but all, and then all of a sudden something happens. The Alternative Economists at the Imagine Festival. I'm up at an area just outside Newton Ards, known as the lead mines, because, well, they used to mine lead here. Why did they mine lead? Well, because within my lifetime, we used to use lead for our water pipes. and to mix with paint that was even used on children's toys until we realized how bad that was for us. And within less than a generation, we changed the system so that that wouldn't happen again. And as you can see just up behind the old chimney from the lead mines, we now have turbines, wind turbines up on the hills. We used to, and still do in some measure, burn coal and oil to produce both electricity and pollution. We've realized how bad that is, not just for us, but for the living planet. And we're in the middle of a transition away from that. And I believe there's another major transition that's just getting started. This one involves power too, but it's not about electricity. It's about how economic power is distributed. There are fresh ideas taking hold and being put into action in many places across the globe, including here in Northern Ireland. And that's what we'll look at in these programmes. First, in extracts from an Imagine Festival event from March 2021, four alternative economists set out the ways in which they are engaged in community wealth building here. My name is Tiziana O'Hara, and I work for an organization called the Cooperative Alternatives, a cooperative development body that's based in Belfast that helps groups interested in setting up and grow cooperatives. That's my job. Yeah. Uh, hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Um, my name is Bridget Meehan. I'm co-founder of the Northern Mutual Bank Campaign which is, um, as the name says, a campaign to establish a mutual bank in the north of Ireland. My name's Lee Robb. I'm co-founder of Repair Cafe Belfast and in ordinary circumstances we'd be running pop-up community repair events all over the town. And I'm also founder of Positive Crack Fergus. And one aspect of work we're trying to do in Crack Fergus is um, a community-led regeneration project. My name is Mary McManus and um, I'm a community wealth building advocate promoting community wealth building where I can. That leads us pretty uh, directly to the, the main topic of this evening's uh, discussion, which is to say community oh. wealth building. And of course, you've uh, recently written on that, you've been researching it. So maybe you could just tell us uh, some of the main the key points of the idea. Okay, thanks. Um, so um, for the past 20 odd years, I've worked in the advice sector. And as Morris has said, you know, the, the last years of austerity, 
13 or so years have been, uh, for me, has been an experience of witnessing poverty increasing uh, year on year in Belfast. In 2018, I first heard about, the, about Preston City Council and how they were practicing a different form of local economic development called community wealth building. This approach led them to being named the most improved city in the UK and moving out of the top 20% most deprived cities. As far as I could see, it was a common sense approach to economic development that was centered on ensuring that the wealth, that the wealth that was already in a place was kept circulating rather than leaking away. And it's also a more democratic approach that aims to put more ownership, more control, and more of the benefits in the hands of local people. Preston has inspired many other places to adopt community wealth building, including Islington and Newham in London, North Ayrshire in Scotland and Wirral, and various other places. The Scottish and Welsh governments are exploring the approach, and our own Minister for Communities has committed to embedding community wealth building into her development and spend priorities. So how does it work in practice? Well, what's really key to understanding community wealth building is the, is the um, concept of anchor institutions. Now, anchor institutions are public institutions such as councils, universities, and health trusts. They are called anchors because they are not likely to upstick the move elsewhere. And they have a significant amount of assets and spending power. So community wealth building is based around five principles. So the first principle is fair employment and just labour markets. So, by, so if we think about the anchor institutions, by paying the real living wage, having progression rates and targeting recruitment at lower income areas, these institutions can really improve the prospects of local people and local economies. The second principle of community wealth building is progressive procurement of goods and services. So this is about the local anchor institutions collaborating to ensure how, that how they procure services and goods supports the local economy. So if you think about the very large budgets that some of those institutions have and how they procure their services. So in Preston, six anchors got together and analysed where their procurement spend was going. They discovered that most of the money was going outside of Preston and Lancashire. So they broke down their contracts to ensure that local small medium enterprises and cooperatives were in a position to bid for contracts. They also introduced social clauses into their tenders and they had meet the buyer events to support local businesses to tender for contracts. This brought 274 million back into the Preston and Lancashire community, which helped to develop a dense local supply of businesses that supported local employment and retained wealth locally. So the third pillar is plural ownership of the economy. Preston Council have not only been supporting local small medium enterprises, they've also been creating more democratically owned businesses by developing cooperatives to meet gaps in demand in the local area. Small medium enterprises, cooperatives and mutual, uh, sorry, municipally owned businesses all help lock wealth into a place and stop it leaking away, which is financially gener generative for the local economy. So the fourth pillar is the socially just use of land and property. Anchor institutions own a significant amount of land and assets. In Belfast, for example, 40% of the land is owned by anchor institutions with Belfast City Council and the Harbour Commission owning 34% between them. In the community wealth building model, these assets are treated as part of our commonwealth and their functioning and ownership provides a social and financial benefit to citizens. 
This can involve placing the assets such as a building in community control, control through a social asset transfer, for example, for example. Our anchors could make some of their buildings available to social and environmental projects, such as the repair cafe movement that Lee will talk about. So the final pillar of community wealth building is making financial power work for local places. This is about increasing flows of investment within local economies by harnessing and recirculating the wealth that already exists, as opposed to attracting capital. So for example, instead of savings being placed in a private bank where shareholders benefit, they could be placed in a mutually owned bank that would support local businesses. There are plans underway in many regions of the UK to develop a mutual bank. Bridget will talk more about the campaign underway to have such a bank here. How are public sector pension funds invested? Could they be invested in a way that supports the local community? For years doing my job in the advice sector, I talked about the problem of poverty that I was seeing through my work. But community wealth building has made me realize that poverty isn't the problem. The problem is the huge amounts of wealth that we have and the fact that our economic system does not ensure that everyone benefits from it. Community wealth building offers us a way to build back fairer and greener after COVID. Thank you very much, uh, Mary. And uh, Tatiana, Mary was talking a little bit about some of the pillars and one of the central pillars, of course, is the cooperative movement. Maybe you could tell us a little bit in general about the cooperative movement and about the cooperative movement in Northern Ireland in particular. Oh, absolutely. Uh, thank you very much. And thank you, Mary, for introducing the cooperative movement to the audience. Cooperatives, what are they? Are members own and democratically controlled enterprises. So practically these cooperative, these entities abide by internationally recognized principles and definition. That means that the cooperative in Northern Ireland has the same definition, the same principle than a cooperative in Italy, where it come from. And, um, and also that the cooperatives are enterprises, so they are businesses, but they are value driven, not profit driven. Although they needed to be profitable to survive, to be self-sustaining. And um, in Northern Ireland in particular, uh, we have recently updated our database, and I can tell you that, that we have uh, around 214 cooperatives. Um, about 140 are credit unions, and the remain, remaining 69 are a, a variety of type of cooperatives, agricultural cooperatives, retail co-ops, you know, your corner shops and the co-op shops and down, down the street but also new emerging cooperatives, trading energy, food, artisan beer, and managing local assets, or build new assets, like housing cooperatives, that they are an emerging kind of model in Northern Ireland. So really cooperatives in the last almost 10 years have addressed the foundational needs of the economy, you know, food, energy, all things that they are important to our living and they make a difference to our living. So there are a total of 766,000 members. They employ over 3,000 people. And as I said, as a development body on the ground, we saw a surge of interest in cooperative models. And, and this is why we welcome this shift of policy, public policy what Mary has described, the community uh, wealth 
the community wealth building policy that we believe will enhance the capacity of the cooperative sector and will create more cooperatives, hopefully, in our economy. So far, the cooperative sector have been reliant on values like self-help, self-reliance. We have done things by ourselves, practically. Very few, very little help came from the state and certainly the private sector didn't really comply with our own uh, values. So in some sort of way, we are welcoming a new kind of outlook of what the public sector can do in order to enabling the ground for cooperative development. In particular, when, when Mary was talking about what are the pillars of this public policy, I'm really interested to see the application of diversify the local economic landscape. What does it mean? Unfortunately, the economic landscape so far has been dominated by very few models, the private enterprise models, where exactly they share holders that hold maybe the majority of the wealth in their own hands also reap the majority of the profit. So in that kind of aspect, we really needed to diversify our local economic landscape. And in a way that like cooperative do, that the, the distribution of wealth, because we are building that way, is done equitably and fairly. And then we can say that we, can, we are building that way because in our constitution, in our legal structure, we have embedded the principle of one member, one vote, not one share, one vote. So the democracy of what we decide, the democracy of how we distribute wealth is within the nature and the structure of our own entities. I'm also very interested in what Mary said about the plurality of ownership models. So we have the public ownership model, we have the private ownership model, but we have also the cooperative ownership model where the workers, for instance, or the community is co-owning assets, wealth, and anything that belongs to the cooperative. Cooperatives do really offer solutions. We have seen in the last 10 years, we, we were on the ground as a development body and help groups and do really offer practical solution to practical problems, real problems. So when we were working with NICE, the Northern Ireland Community Energy, the practical problem was that there was no kind of renewable energy uh, done through solar panels in Northern Ireland. And they wanted to address that particular issue in Northern Ireland, and they did it in a cooperative way created a cooperative of interest of environmentalist people that would have supported the initiative, as well as a group of community centers and social enterprises that would be very willing to put the solar panels on their, on their roof, for instance. So the cooperative solution was answering some kind of needs and uh, in that sense, was uh, solved uh, in a democratic way because uh, all the participants were democratically co-owned in the enterprise. 
So in the past few years, uh, we saw workers cooperatives flourish as well as energy cooperatives set up uh, alternative community farming in a cooperative owned in a cooperative way, new consumers cooperatives paying attention to a healthy food. And all this to me still represent the practical solution we are looking for now to real problems and uh, they can actually address uh, the economic imbalance that we have. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, the uh, cooperative movement, obviously central part of the uh, community wealth building uh, model, and that's about you know making and selling produce, but it's also about money. Uh, Bridget, maybe you could tell us a little bit about a kind of a, a co almost like a cooperative approach to banking, mutual banking. Yeah, thanks, uh, Morris. Um, um, so mutual banking basically is an alternative approach to banking. Um, what we we have now, it moves away from the privatized system that we've got today and towards a more democratized system that gives each of us a say in how our money can be used for our benefit and the benefit of our region. And it has a number of unique uh, features. Um, and I'll quickly go through those. Um, it's, it's mutual. Um, it says it in the name, but that basically means that it's a consumer co-op that's owned by its members and accountable to its members. And it's not owned by shareholders, which our high street banks are. And that means that um, shareholders, they have certain demands and they have certain needs and it's usually around profit. Um, and that conflicts with what a customer might want for a bank. So a conventional bank has to answer to its shareholders and make sure that they generate profit for them and the customer comes second to that but in the mutual the the customers are members they own the, the bank and they therefore and their their needs and what what's important to them comes first um, and this is a really crucial difference between um, a, a mutual banking approach and the the current banking approach so it's similar in some ways to what um, the kind of values or principles that credit unions have, but um, at the same time, it offers the whole range of services that you'd expect from a bank. So the current accounts, business accounts, overdrafts, debit cards, um, secured and unsecured loans, mortgages, that the whole the whole gamut. Um, the other another unique feature about mutual banking is that it's regional, so it serves a specific region only. In this case, it would be us here in the north and um, members of the bank have to live in or be connected with the region in some way so there's no kind of investment going on outside of the region or money being um, uh, kind of siphoned off outside the region everything gets recycled back in which is really one of those kind of principles of community wealth building that the money gets recycled back in to the region. Um, and, you know, something that I, I find is that we believe here that we don't have any money, that we don't have any wealth. But that's not the case. Um, there is wealth there, um, but it's it's not really that we, we lack wealth. It's how it's distributed at the minute and it's not really been fairly distributed and we're not getting the right kind of access to it. Um, most of the savings that we put into credit unions, for example, end up... Um, if they're not um, loaned out to members, uh, that will end up in private bank accounts or bank accounts in, in privately owned banks. And 
that then gets invested outside our region. It's not even being used for our benefit. So that uh, mutual banking can stop that from happening. Um, mutual banks are also ethical, so they're not profit-driven. Um, they're purpose-driven, value-driven, like Tatiana said about cooperatives. They um, don't believe in giving ex excessive salaries or bonuses to um, executives, um, which has happened, as we see in the, the current banking system. Um, and even since the crash in 2008, they've continued to get the big salaries and the big bonuses. Um, but the mutual um, doesn't, doesn't do that. Um, it also prioritizes what's best for people in the region, what's best for the environment here. And it's the, uh, a mutual bank will serve the financial needs of those who aren't so well served by the high street banks today. For example, micro businesses, small businesses, um, co-ops, social enterprises, farmers, um, those kind of people will be better served by a, a mutual bank because a mutual bank has the region's best interest at heart. Um, the another feature, and um, this is the last one I want to draw attention to, is that it's um, inclusive. Um, it promotes financial inclusion. So no one can be refused a bank account regardless of their income or their credit history, um, which can happen now. Um, a lot of people don't have access to banking services because their incomes are so low or their credit histories are so poor. The bank doesn't even, you know, typical high street bank may not even want their business because it's not worth a lot to them. And of course, them being profit driven, they're looking for the most profitable customers. Um, community groups, new, new community groups trying to start up and charities, they often struggle to get a bank account open. Um, but the mutual will welcome those um, and take away some of the, the pain of trying to get a bank account open for those. And one of the things that we plan to do in the campaign is to make sure that we um, have a mix of physical and digital channels. So yes, we'll have internet banking, mobile banking possible for people, those services, as you would expect with any kind of modern banking service, but we'll also have um, bring back the, the physical network which is disappearing quite rapidly. And although um, physical branches um, do cost money, um, the high street banks are cutting back on those because that cuts costs and that allows them to generate more profits for their shareholders. And the mutual doesn't have that as a focus. Um, the mutual is about trying to serve the needs of the members. So it will be important to actually have branches um, across the whole region. And we have um, software and IT that allows us to have not just staffed branches, but automated branches as well. And we can cut costs there and maybe start sharing um, different premises with, with um, groups or other organizations that would allow us to house branches in existing um, kind of organization premises. The campaign to, to have one of those banks has already been launched here. Um, we're actually registered with the Financial Conduct Authority as the Northern Mutual, so that will be the name when it opens. Um, and we have a board set up and an advisory committee. So we've, we've already started this. We've already moved it along a bit. Mary mentioned Preston. They've got one along with um, 
other council area or councils in their area, Greater Manchester and around that area. Um, so they have already launched their campaign. There's also one in Wales. Um, there's one in Avon, that kind of west of England region. Mm. And there are campaigns in the northeast of England and the southwest of England. So we're um, part of that network and we mutually support each other. And that um, allows us a lot of comfort. Um, we're all pretty much using the same model, the same approach, and we can learn from each other. Um, and because some of them are further down the road than we are, we're going to learn a lot more from them probably than they'll learn from us. Um, but that'll be that we can work that to our, to our advantage. Um, we still have a lot of work to do in the campaign. Um, applying for the Bank of England license is one of the big um, uh, pieces of work that has to be done yet. We also have to fundraise the whole tab for this to set it up and get it, um, get branches open and everything is 20 million. And this, it would um, set up a bank that would have a very long legacy and very far reach. Um, so that's the kind of money that we that we need. Um, we also need to build a, a team of people around us and get some um, people, that executive people that we can employ that would actually take us through the licensing process. And we need to do some more market research and, of course, reach out to the public to, to start building the customer base. Um, and, you know, anybody here tonight who's interested in joining the campaign, we're more than welcome to have people on board. Uh, Lee, we've just been hearing about um, uh, cooperative approach to money, but the economy is about more than just money. Uh, do you want to tell us about the repair cafes? Yeah, um, thanks very much. Um, and thanks to um, Bridget and Tatiana and Mary. Um, so I suppose I'm kind of going to talk a bit tonight, I'm particularly interested in community aspect of community wealth building um, and, and that the dominant economic model has had pretty negative impact on communities. Um, Hyper-consumerism, individualism, um, our communities have been kind of quite atomized and fragmented over the last 40 years. So the work that we're doing in the Repair Cafe and in Positive Park Fergus is trying to rebuild community um, in a number of different ways. Um, in the Repair Cafe, where you know, Mary mentioned about community wealth building as an approach which, where we try to live within planetary means, and the Repair Cafe grew out of a concern around what we're doing to the planet, um, the climate emergency and the waste crisis that's being created by hyperconsumerism. Um, so, and there's a broad, there are more than 2,000 Repair Cafes right across the world. Um, our repair cafe started in Belfast in December 2017, and we've had since then about 18 um, physical um, repair cafes, and we're doing some stuff online at the minute. Every other Thursday night, we've amended Power Meetup, so um, have a look for that if you're interested in sewing your buttons on that have been sitting there for two years and you've been thinking about it, come and join us. Um, and so we're really interested in, I suppose, um, providing some solutions so people can consume less and, and we can change our relationship to our stuff and use what we have for much longer. Um, climate emergency responses are often, um, I think, that are really visible, often talk about policy change at a government level. And certainly I've been to events where I have left feeling pretty um, disillusioned about um, the change that's possible and the time frame that it's available to us. Um, 
And at that particular event, I really wanted to jump up and shit and say, go home and repair something. You can do that tonight. Come to Repair Cafe and, and do it in community. And, um, and I suppose, you know, that so there's like policy or individual responses. And we are really interested in what happens whenever people come together as a community um, to create some solutions. We're not saying the Repair Cafe is the only solution, but it's part repair is part of the solution to the way we're um, not living within uh, planetary boundaries at the minute. Um, so and repair needs to be a real option in, in terms of what a new economy could look like. Um, so if you look at the growth and recycling as a result of local government targets um, and, the, and then the procurement processes, like think of the difference that could be made if repair became much higher up the agenda in local government and central government and the difference that that could make to our economy. You know, longer term, what we want to do is get repair up the agenda um, and through really wonderful experiences when we come together to use the skills that already exist in our communities. Um, and longer term, we'd really love to see um, repair back on our high streets and, and repair jobs. And if you look at um, like Sophie Unwin in Glasgow through the Remade Network, she's already starting to make that happen. So, um, and, and, and I know and maybe John Barry's here tonight. We've got a great phrase from him. I think it's from um, Naomi Klein, which is like moving from a dig and gig economy to a repair and care economy and repair is really central to that. And then the other work that I'm interested in uh, or that I'm doing at the minute is um, through a project in Carrick called Positive Carrick Fergus. And in terms of community wealth building, um, that really connects in with the um, just land use issue. And, um, and when I started doing this work in Carrick Fergus in October 2017, what became really clear very quickly was that the majority of people who live in Carrick are really concerned about the decline of the high street. And, um, and so and one of the, um, our high street in Carrick, um, right at the end has got a town hall in it that is chronically underused. It is owned by the council. It is a really beautiful space with a, um, a lovely, um, a big room with a stage that could, you know, currently could be holding arts and culture events, all sorts of, and then lots of um, meeting rooms that could be used for all sorts of um, arts classes, we could have a till library, we could have repair events, you know, there, there's so much that be, could be happening in that space if it was either owned by the community or um, uh, there was a partnership between the community and the local council. That would also bring people into our town centre and re-energise the high street. Um, so, um, you know, that, that kind of using what we have differently and, um, and better and rebuilding our social infrastructure, I think is really cr um, crucial element of, um, of rebuilding our communities. Um, and I'm also interested in, so we have a lot of privately owned buildings in our town centre that are owned by people who don't even live in Northern Ireland. And they're really not concerned about the, um, the impact of empty and derelict buildings in our town centre and what that does to us. And, and when we're, um, feel like really powerless to create any change there whatsoever. So I'm really interested in other communities who have pulled their wealth um, to buy buildings together. Um, and that's played a really crucial role in the regeneration of high streets and other towns um, right across the UK. So there, like, there's great examples. And even, um, so Randallstown, they, um, they own commercial and domestic properties. And um, there's a, a Randalls, Randallstown Arches Association. So there's places already doing it. And I suppose that's what one of the messages that we want to get across tonight as well. So often when in the past, when we have come to events like this, um, 
the focus has been on projects and ideas from outside Northern Ireland. And, um, and we're really keen to say it, actually, this stuff is already happening here. And, you know, we've been working together to connect it up. And, um, and it's really important that we make it visible. And then how do we nurture what's already happening here um, to build an economy that works for everybody? The thing is that um, what I discovered when I discovered Preston in 2018 and what they were doing was that um, at, uh, Belfast have been looking at the approach as well. So I did some research last year to discover why wasn't there a, Pre a Belfast model? Why do we have a Preston model and not a Belfast model? Um, and I discovered that it was like, this, you know, that, that this being wedded to a neoliberal approach, you know, thinking there's only one way to do um, economic development and that's by um, taking in foreign direct investment um, rather than community wealth building. Um, I also discovered that, you know, there's a lot of silo work in here, which, you know, some is, is, is a, a huge barrier to progress and, and it's a huge barrier to progress in other places as well. And also a lack of urgency. And I see John asked us in the, um, John Barry asked in the questions about one thing we could change. And that's really hard to just go on one thing. But I discovered in other places where they've implemented this, that there's a real urgency to resolve poverty. And I, don't, I, I didn't find that urgency here. I'm really heartened by um, Deidre Hardy, you know, statements on community wealth building. Um, but yeah, we've yet to see anything. And um, in other places like North Ayrshire launched their community wealth building strategy in, in May during the first lockdown. And they've proceeded, you know, they've a very, very ambitious strategy. It's like they've learned from Preston, they're going further. And um, so I think progress here has been hampered by the, the by COVID, but um, it should, it doesn't have to be. You know, that if, if, if we're really serious about doing this and you know, if we, how can we change this vision? I suppose it's like for people to realize the economy is, is a system that it can be changed um, and, and to take risks, you know, like the, 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 the desire is there. It would be good if the other departments at, at Stormont were into that as well. Um, but so the, 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 the Department for Finance in, in our talking, in the, sorry, in the, the poverty the expert report for the anti-poverty strategy there's talk about the assembly being a living wage employer which is another step in the right direction so it's it's actually do something you know i mean that's what i found with belfast city council they talked about it and they talked about it and they talk about social clauses and and they're still talking about it but they're not actually taking the action but actually uh, queens are looking at this now so maybe it's an anchor you know if queens um ad ad adopt community wealth building as part of their sustainable UN sustainable development goals, you know this is all going to push. It's all going to be pressure on the council to move. If there was just one thing you you could choose, one policy, one practice that you would like to see adopted, what would it be? Tiziana, maybe you start. Um, when we went to visit uh, Preston, what was evident? Uh, what uh, really kept the mechanism going and the ideas flowing? was that there was a great uh, union of minds between the civil servants in uh, the local authority and the political representative in the council. And that marriage of uh, intentions made the difference. Everything we've been talking about here, um, they're really good measures, they are alternatives, but they're, they're in term, and we, until we remove capitalism, 
we, you know, that is a huge problem that has caused really our environmental crisis. And we are not going to get out of that crisis if we continue to depend on capitalism to do that. So removing the continuous growth, the neoliberal model, is that, is that big enough? That's pretty big. That's pretty ambitious. <laughs> I'll leave it there. <laughs> Lee, what's your, your pick? So I'm going to reject the premise of the question and okay. say that actually we've been talking about ecosystems. Yeah. And if you're thinking about systems thinking, then actually what we need is lots of solutions, not one yeah. big one. Many thanks to the alternative economists, Mary McManus, Tiziana O'Hara, Bridget Meehan and Lee Robb, and to the Imagine Festival. For further information, visit www.thecombination.org.uk and subscribe to The Comover Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.